Good morning and welcome to Coffee with the Sarlows. I'm Kelly. Good morning, I'm Karen. Let's get through show notes, Karen, because we've got a personal show happening today. Mm-hmm. So first and foremost, thank you again to everyone who has sold us out for our upcoming medium events in August, and we are nearly sold out for December at this point. Mm-hmm. If you are looking for tickets, you can head over to the website at buysarlo.com and purchase them for the respective events. Wonderful. Um, while you're there, too, you can check out Sips of Sanity under podcasts. Sips of Sanity is a 10-minute show we do from Monday to Friday for the first week of each month. And it always has a theme. And it gives you an emotional and an intuitive toolkit. Gift certificates and personal sessions are available for purchasing and experiencing anywhere in the world. You can put any denomination on a gift card as well as any dollar amount toward another person's service if you wish. You can pay in a number of different ways. We have cash, credit, and check options as well as e-transfer and PayPal. Mm -hmm. Okay, that was swift. So I'm going to hand things over to you. A few weeks ago, I guess, would it be about a month now? Does it sound like three weeks to a month ago? Um, your uncle and my brother, Morris, passed away. And I wanted to bring it up in a podcast show because it's a wonderful story. And there are some really wonderful things that I learned along the way and have continued to learn. So Morris had multiple sclerosis um, for quite a while. Well, I would say quite a while because when you know somebody with MS. A couple days is too long. Yeah. And and I guess that maybe is the best way to word it because you watch them live with something. And I'm not saying that it has to define them. I understand that. But you watch them learn to cope and you watch the family members in different ways learn to cope and their friends, everyone around them, their co-workers, strangers, neighbors, absolutely everybody that comes into their life is changed by it. And I think that's true for so many other different things that we go through, not just a disease. But I think it's just something where if you want to become aware of something like that, you don't treat the person differently or badly because they have the disease. But you can you can learn something about your own levels of compassion, or your own awareness around other people's needs. That was certainly something that I saw for the small amount of time that I was in my brother's life. And I say small because you, that it's not the same when you're a child or when you're their sp- a spouse, because it's different whatever your relationship is to that person. So Morris had been suffering for quite a while. And for me, as a sister, there was a desire to see him get relief. Yeah, and maybe it's a good time to mention that multiple sclerosis attacks women and men's bodies differently. As far as I understand that, yes. Yeah, from different studies, different experiences, women seem to have more of an issue with the myelination in their brain, where it it hinders memory and function, so movement. But men seem to be more affected by the muscular aspect of it. That's our experience in, in our particular family with two siblings with MS, a female and a male. So the two oldest, um, are Faye are the oldest in the family has MS and is more challenged, like you say, cognitively with it. 
and was diagnosed a good six, I think, at least six years before Morris was. And she still struggles with that disease. Um, but anyway, so just moving along, we went through watching him experience this. And closer to the end for Morris, the way that it took everything away from him allowed me to feel, and I'm not speaking on behalf of anybody else, just allowed me to feel an excitement for him to be free. Of the body. Yeah. And to understand as a medium, and that might be different for other people, so I'm not going to keep comparing now. I'm going to drop that and just say my experience without having to say or try to say to people in comparison to somebody else's. Mm -hmm. So if you're listening, you already know we're both mediums and that Kelly and I connect to the spirit world, not just when people pass, but before that to their souls. So it was something that I had asked Morris to do for me a couple of weeks before I, I understood that he had congestive heart failure and that his passing was, was now imminent. So I asked him to journey with me and to come to me to help me understand what he was going through so that in the process, yes, while you're grieving the loss of somebody, could I understand the processes that he was going through while he was still alive before he did his passing? And then could I go through it with him the day he passed and even the days after in my capacity as a sister? Now, let's be clear. You asked this of his soul. Yes. Because in the very beginning, you had mentioned that that you were in his life for a short period of time while this was occurring. So when you're asking him to journey and you're asking him for you to be able to experience everything, this is on a soul level. You had not rung him up as a human and asked for these things. No, because two years prior, Morris asked me um, not to visit him or to speak to him anymore. And he said it wasn't a personal thing, that he wasn't angry or upset with me, but that he had only so much energy each day and that he was trying to figure out where he could put his energy. So for two years, I did not have communication with him verbally. Mm -hmm. So over that whole two year period, I made a choice that I wanted to connect to him soulfully. And so it also means that to some degree, there is already a grieving process that starts the day that he asked me to no longer contact him. Right. It's the beginning of goodbye. Yeah, that's right. So it was very different for me, perhaps, than other people as they go through the process of the funeral, as they go through the process of hearing the news. So I found for in my own experience that I was able to feel some things differently. And maybe too, as a medium, and as somebody who connects to souls. So you could throw all of that in one pot for me. So we found out that he had congestive heart failure, then we also had found out as a family that it was getting closer and closer. Just by speaking to different people in the family, my understanding was that it was fairly imminent within, I guess, would you say, Kelly, we thought day to day at that point. Mm -hmm. On the day that a sister called, my sister Colleen, we had planned to go for lunch that day. So we went out for lunch together and we were sitting down and as sisters would do on a, uh, you know, on a day where we think it's possible our one of our brothers can pass away. We got to talking about him a little bit, and it didn't dominate the lunch, but we were just sending him love. We just had a little chat, and I remember at one point saying to Colleen that Morris had already passed, and at this time, we had no, we did not know that. We were not told that, 
And I said, oh dear, I said, do you mind if we refer to Morris as, as that he's passed? And she said, yeah, I, I think that's okay. I'm comfortable. And it's not to say in that moment that the two of us knew without a doubt. It's just to say that we were trying to process grieving. Well, it sounds like you both got to a place of some kind of acceptance. Mm-hmm. Which I think is the idea of what a process of dying can be, is getting to different levels of acceptance in it. So she said, yes, she said, I think that would be okay. So we sat and we talked about him in the past tense. And then we split ways. And she had to go off and do some things. And I was going back into my world back into my own life at home. And a short time later after I got home, and by short time, I would mean that within maybe 20 minutes to half an hour, I received a phone call that Morris had in fact passed away before we went for lunch by about 40 minutes. So when we went to lunch and were talking about him in the past tense, in fact, without our knowing, his soul had done its final journey. And you got your affirmation. Yeah. And so did she. So that that was a very, I'll say a very sweet thing and something that I think Colleen and I could look back at later, and I won't speak for her, so I should say that I can look back later and think with kindness that Morris gave that to me. You know, he gave me that little inner knowing or helped me find it. I want to think of it as a gift from him because with it, there was a great amount of peace and love in that conversation about him. So I could look back at it and quite enjoy that. As the next couple of days progress and this story continues... Morris passes away on a Friday and his wake is the following Tuesday, Tuesday or Wednesday, Tuesday. So there's a, there are a few days in here for events to occur where Morris was able to make his presence known. Meaning that you still went to work and channeled (laughs) for spelling it out for clients. (laughs) Okay. Yes. True. So my sister Allison came to town from the States and she spent quite a bit of time here with us and she asked for a treatment. So we were doing a treatment for her and it wasn't focused about Morris. It was focused about her life. It was focused about a whole bunch of different things. And she didn't lay down on the table and say, and I want to hear from Morris. She said, whatever comes through. So there was an an openness to the session and truly an openness. So during her session where we're just talking about work and a variety of things in her life, career and personal stuff, Morris popped in and said, um, can I talk to Allison? So I said, well, I'll ask her. So I said, Allison, Morris is here. Would you like a visit? And she goes, really? He just passed away. And I said, well, yeah, because time isn't the same thing on the other side. So it's not like you've got to wait a week or wait a year or wait a certain period of time. She didn't know that. So I said, no, no. I said, Morris has been talking to me since before he passed, during passing and after he's crossed. And she goes, oh, well, then I would love for him to come through. I didn't want to interrupt him. I know. I feel like some people think of crossing almost like um, orientation day at school. Yeah. Or orientation week where it's like they got to go through courses and checklists and lineups and all of these different things to get settled. Yeah. And they do. I I think that's actually a really good way to look at that, Kelly. But in like half a second. Yes. Because it isn't the same as our earth time. It's not linear. Perfect. So she was happy to be able to check in on him and see how he was doing. And I think that's a lovely thing to do. So he came in and said a few things to her. 
He said, Ali, he says, I want you to know I'm really happy and I'm okay. And she just, there was just sort of a sigh of relief. So we just waited a little bit because it was something that you just, you don't just take the breath. You have to feel what the breath does because it can let the muscles go, can let the stress and the tension go. So she just sort of just let, I would say, from what I saw in Allison, she just wanted to kind of like absorb that and take it in. Appreciate. Appreciate the message and what he meant for her to feel in hearing it. And to me, by her doing that, she allows herself to feel loved by him. Then he said to her, butterflies. I'm going to give you signs of butterflies. And she said, okay. I said, you're supposed to pay attention to that over the next few days. And I said, pussy willows. And she goes, what? what? Ask him what he means by pussy willows. So I said, Morris, what do you mean by pussy willows? What the hell did that mean? And he goes, meh, you'll see. And let's note... At that point, it was mid-April in North Bay, Ontario, and we were not yet experiencing spring. Oh my God, we were buried in snowstorms. So to hear the word pussy willows with several feet of snow on the ground makes no sense whatsoever. None. But he still wanted her to get that, but he didn't want to explain it. And there was a little bit of impishness to it. A little bit of cutesy, eh? You guys will figure this out later. So I said, okay, so pussy willows, Allison, and that's that. And then the treatment went on a little bit more. And then he's, I held her feet and he said to me, hold on to her feet for a bit. So I just did. That's normal in energy work, as you know. It grounds a person and runs the energy through them. And he said, tell her, tell her about the coin. Tell her I was the coin. And I'm like, oh, okay, Allie. I said, um, Morris says to tell you, um, I can't remember how he worded it word for word. You but were he, right. You were right? Okay, you were right about the coin. And I hope I'm paraphrasing that, but accurately. And she went, what? Oh, now you're freaking me out. And I said, what do you mean? <laughs> and she says, oh, I have got a story for you. And I said, okay. So she leaned up onto the table towards me a little bit and says, well, before I came here to see you today, she said, mom and I were out. And we were going to do some errands. Mom wanted to get groceries, some food, and she wanted to go to orchards on Trout Lake. And I said, okay. And she says, but yeah, I forgot where it was because I, I don't live here. And I accidentally pulled into the grocery store. And I said, okay. And she says, so we got out and mom didn't tell me we were at the wrong place. <laughs> but mom's 90. So we got to cut her some slack. And they went up towards the grocery carts. And this is a grocery store we have to put a quarter in to get your card out and so they neither of them had any money on them they just had credit cards so Allison said well mom we're gonna have to wait a minute because we have to wait and see if somebody else comes and my mom said no 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 I don't want to wait I want to go to orchards and Allison said slow down it's okay there's a coin there's a quarter in a cart but we have to wait for two people to come and take two other carts and then we'll be able to pull ours out and my mom once again said to her, no, no, I don't want to wait. Let's go. She was being impatient. And Allison said, look, what if this is a sign from Morris to slow down? What if this is a sign? And he put the coin in the cart. She goes, let's just slow down and enjoy Morris. And let's enjoy the cart and the coin. So two carts or two people come, pardon me, two people come, they remove it. And so Allison and mom take the cart with the coin in it, get a free cart. 
and off they go. That was his affirmation to her. That yes, in fact, you totally got that. You understood it. Thank you. And I think that's just a lovely thing to hear from the people from the other side. Thank you. I think it's cool. I like to picture how things come together and how the other side interacts with us as humans and not just our loved ones. So for some gentleman or woman to be walking out of the grocery store, putting their cart back and Morris's spirit to just sort of be there waving their memory away, (laughs) which makes them walk away from their cart and forget their quarter, (laughs) knowing, okay, my mom and sister are going to be here later. They're going to be all in a tizzy. Yeah. And I'm just going to need to give them something that's ease in their day. Yeah, and to let mom, my mom, and one of my sisters know I'm here. And I think, too, about that man or woman who left it, for them maybe to walk away and 10 minutes later be like, oh, I think I left my quarter in the cart. <laughs> that never happens to me. I have a good memory. Yeah. You know, and just how some of us can feel sometimes, like, why did I forget? Or why did I make that mistake? And yet, somebody else needed that serendipitous moment. Yeah. Or for the lovely people who do drop a coin on the ground and leave it intentionally and think, ah, no, somebody else is going to need to find that today. That just happened on our walk the other day. Eric and I were walking Parker and he pulled something out of his, his pocket and a dime fell out and I was trying to find it. And he goes, just leave it. Someone needs it. And I thought, yeah, people usually associate dimes with their loved ones who have crossed. And I just thought, okay. Okay. Yeah. Some people do and some don't. And that's one of the things we know as mediums is that that does work for some people. And others walk right over coins on the ground and think it's absolute fooey and don't associate it with anything of the sort. I will say until they get it right between the eyes. Mm Mm-hmm. And they finally lose somebody that rocks their world enough. And I'll say enough because we don't always lose somebody and it's enough to rock our world. I think it's really cool when you finally find that one person that you loved that much that it does. I think sometimes too, it's not even a person that you loved that much. It Mm. could be where you find similarities in in the way that they died that Mm. frighten you enough. Mm. or startle you true to make you think or wake up yeah yeah so I don't remember much else about her treatment that is relevant to this other than that he said but something about the butterflies being a sign and pussy willows and then giving her just the word and then the coin and that she related the story about the coin and was I hope peaceful and content knowing Allison she took that in and enjoyed that. So later that day, around supper time, you came home. And Allison decided she was going to join us for dinner with Eric that evening. And I said something to you guys about I'm going to order flowers. And we had Allison and I had bought a great big fruit basket or something for the family and food. But I wanted to do something from you and Andrew and Eric and I. So I said, I'm going to order flowers. So I said to Morris, what kind of flowers do you want? And he said, I want pink, white, and purple. And I said, okay, I'll order what you want. And I said, where do you want me to get them from? And people have to understand something. Morris owned a funeral home. Mm -hmm. For his entire career, Morris worked in the funeral service industry in Ottawa. And then for his dad and mom in North Bay. 
and then he owned it and co-owned it with another brother, Grant. So his entire life is, is in this industry or business or whatever you want to call it, passion, joy, all of that. So I said, what, what flower shop? And he said, I want you to order that from the Rose Bowl. <laughs> and I remembered thinking do you, and saying to him in my head, I understand why. Because in owning a funeral home in a small city, you get to know every single flower shop. You get to work with every single one of those people for decades. And you respect that each one of them has this business, just like you're a business owner. So Morris would want to know that each one of them was getting some business. Oh. And that Jackman's and that each one of these flower shops, whether they're private or big companies, would each get some business. Because as a business owner, he would understand the value of you can't send it all to one place and help one family or one owner. You've got to let all these businesses thrive in a community. So I asked him that on purpose because I knew that from living and growing up in that industry that he would care enough to know, okay, if other family members went to Jackman's and all these other places, I'll tell Karen Ann Rose Bowl. So that's why I asked. So I said, okay. So I called up Rose Bowl Flores in North Bay. I placed my order for pink, white, and purple flowers for Morris and to send it off to McGinty Funeral Home Place. And that was that. Can I tell the second part? <laughs> yes. Okay, so then was it same day? I think it was. Within a day, let's say, mm -hmm. we got a knock at the door and a delivery of flowers. And this lovely woman was standing at the door with a bouquet of white lilies. And I just looked at her and I said, I can't bring those in the house. And she looked stunned and I said, I'm so sorry. Those are beautiful and I appreciate that you've done your job to deliver them. There's no way I can bring that in the house. You need to take them out. My mom is like closed her throat allergic to these. Yeah. And she said, oh gosh, I'm so sorry. So we fiddled with the plastic and it was kind of loose enough where I could get the card out and actually open it without mm. opening the entire and exposing the flowers. And I had seen they were from our neighbors across the street, the Bethunes. And they've they've been there for us our whole lives. Oh, yeah. And I said to her, I really appreciate it. There's no reason that they would know that she's allergic to lilies. I just can't bring them in. So I had left them on their own, kind of near the door. And she came back, the d this delivery woman, within about two, three minutes. And she said, ma'am... I'm very sorry. I called my boss and I'd like to take the flowers back. We're going to make you a new bunch. And I, I just was shocked at the customer service and how wonderfully thoughtful that was and considerate because, you know, they had spent their money gifting something to you and you had nothing to receive. Mm -hmm. And I don't think I was home when they brought back the second well, bouquet. Well, I'm going to continue. So I called Caroline and Bruce and Adam to say thank you for the flowers. I was allergic to them. And they were like, oh, my God. They were, Caroline was, I'm so sorry. And I said, well, not a problem. I, I, I really do appreciate what you did and the thoughts and the love and everything that you sent in doing that for me. And I said, so we, we had to give them back to Rose Bowl Flores and they took them back. And I said, as far as I understand, they're going to do another arrangement and send it. And I said, I will let you know that they've sent another arrangement when I receive it. And she said, okay, that would be great. The day of the wake, Tuesday, 
Allison and I were out earlier in the morning. We ran out to do something. We Oh, we were at the gym. We pulled into the driveway and a vehicle pulls up right behind our vehicle and kind of like parks right behind us. And out walks this person in a like a plain vehicle actually with a bouquet of flowers and walks over to us. And I hear Allison saying to him, oh, those are beautiful. Do you want me to take those for you? And the, this person, the delivery person said, yes, they're for Karen Sarlo. So I turned back around and I walked towards him because I wanted to thank him. And I said, um, do you mind if I ask you what flower shop you're from? <laughs> because these, these are flowers from Caroline and Bruce and Adam. And he replied, Rose Bowl. And I looked at Allison and I thought, this is so funny. He's having so much fun. She knew all of this. So it was just like we just looked at each other, a little smile on our face, took the bouquet and walked into the house. I take the wrap off of the flowers, the paper, and they're pink, white and purple flowers. So he sent them back to you. Yes. And you have to remember now, Caroline, Bruce and Adam did not order pink, white and purple. So they have no idea mm-hmm. about Rose any Bull of just this. put a new thing together with no lilies. Yes. So later at the wake, because I want to finish that part of the story, later at the wake, I remember standing in the visitation room speaking to somebody and two people walked up and tapped me on the shoulder to, to say, you know, I'm sorry. And I turned around and I didn't recognize them. And they said, you know, we're so sorry about, you know, your loss of your brother. And I heard Morris say, they're from Rose Bowl. <laughs> like so I looked at them and I said, excuse me. I said, are you the owners of Rose Bowl Flores? And both of them said yes and kind of gave a little laugh. And I said, I'm Karen Sarlo, <laughs> like this. And they both looked at me and I went, the pink, white and purple flowers? And she goes, oh my goodness. And so this is one of the co-owners, Fern, the mom, is said, I'm the one that made your bouquet. And then now we had our full moment of closure. And Morris is just standing there looking at me with this little smile on his face. And I said, I ordered pink, white, and purple flowers for Morris from Rose Bowl a couple of days prior or the day prior to this. And she goes, oh, but she didn't make the same arrangement. So somebody else in the same place, I believe, made the arrangement for Morris. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I just thought that was such a lovely, endearing beautiful little story of love where Morris was showing reciprocation. Connection. Yeah. It's just lovely, eh? Mm -hmm. On the day of the wake when we arrived there, um, the family was up at the front, but there were so many people in the room that I couldn't see them and I couldn't see the casket or Morris. So we just walked in and we were just visiting with people for a while. And when a lull came... no. We weren't visiting with people for a while. Karen was working the room. <laughs> right. <laughs> you were probably the loudest with the biggest laugh. Maybe the only laugh. I'm not sure. Okay. No, your cousins were having oh a good time. Oh my God, yes. All the cousins uh, around your age were sharing stories, yeah. reconnecting. Morris's old friends and bandmates oh, were yeah. there. You were working the room. Oh, I was because I have to say something. Morris told me the day Allison came. Oh, that's something I forgot to say. He told Allison and I to go to the wake, to enjoy ourselves, and to discover who he was, not just as a brother, but that we could go to the wake, go around, 
meet people who knew him, who knew him as a friend, or as a coworker, or a boss, or a neighbor, or a friend of the kids, or his wife's, whoever, but that people would know him from their different perspectives. And a good way to know more of who he truly was in the whole span of a life, as Morris, that I could get to know him better by listening to their stories, by asking them questions of their experience. So I made it my goal to go to his wake, to talk to as many people as I could, and to listen to as many more stories as I could. Very cool. So that I wasn't there just grieving him as this is my brother, and this is the relationship that I know and have with him. But that so many people come to grieve and to share in his process of dying and living, moving on into another form. And that I wanted to see it from different perspectives, not just my own. That I didn't have a, a right to anything more than anybody else. I, I really, really lived that out. And it was a beautiful experience for me. I thoroughly enjoyed his wake. Because it allowed me to understand him, to get to know him better, as my, and my sister-in-law and his kids and in-laws and grandchildren. I got to learn more about everybody through the stories that were told. I think it's neat that you went in with no intention of being angry or holding grudges because he was a brother who withheld from his siblings. Yeah. And we won't go into details, but in to make this a general kind of message, we can feel like we were robbed of a certain kind of relationship if we assumed that we deserved it, like you said. Yeah. If I'm the sister, I should be entitled to a close relationship and lots of memories and happy ones. And if that's not something that you experienced, you could walk into a wake and completely take everything personally, listen to the same stories and think, and why couldn't he give it to me? Why wasn't I enough in his life to share that part of himself? Oh, yeah, because remember, if you're listening to this, two years prior, he told me he wasn't going to speak to me again, not by telephone, not by um, verbal communication, that I wasn't allowed to visit the house to visit him. And that, that by phone that day, he said goodbye. So you can listen that after that for two years, he visited with other people. He said yes to others. He made a choice. So I chose to respect his choice. He made it for his reasons. And whether I like his reasons or I don't doesn't matter. The point of it is, is that he was the one experiencing this. And that the only part you were in control of is how you chose to react. Yeah. To be angry or to be able to sit back and say, well, then what can I do? What can I do? to still connect to him in a in any way. And if somebody else says, well, you're a medium, well, you talk to spirits and souls, that's easy for you. No, it still takes work. It's not all about gifts or ability. It's about working at it. It's about making effort and trying on a daily basis. It's also about grieving like everybody else does about a human changing into the spirit world again. There's still process. And it's a choice as to what I wanted to do with it. So yes, thank you. I mm -hmm. appreciate that. So finally, when I got up and saw that there was a little bit of break, and that the family, I could actually see my sister in law, and I could see the casket, I could see my nephew and my nieces and um, their the in laws, everybody, that 
I thought, oh, here's my chance. I want to go up and see everybody. So I walked over and I started from the furthest person out and moved in closer to the, the, ca- the casket. And my nephew, Skylar, is like six feet. He's at least. At least. And he was blocking part of the casket when I got closer. I couldn't, I couldn't see it because he's so tall and I'm only 5'2". He bent down to hug me. And just as I peek over my nephew's shoulder, I can see now the casket spray. Which is, if you don't know what a casket spray, or maybe that's assume, no fa- Assume they don't. <laughs> okay. It is a bouquet of flowers or a flower arrangement or some type of demonstration of love for the person who's passed. And it's usually from the wife or the children or the closest family member. So on top of the casket is designated for the closest person. Okay, so this is something tangible that sits on the lower half or where the legs would be Yeah, on the folded part of the casket. That's right. Okay, the I cl- hear spray cl- and I think like mist. Oh, got it. So it's not a spray. So that might be an old term. So in the casket spray are pussy wellows. And I was so stunned because this is April. As you mentioned, it's winter. I don't even know where they found them here to be able to put them into a spray arrangement. And this arrangement is like a beautiful fall scene, which a summer scene, there's moss, there's all of this beautiful stuff, but all I could see were pussy willows because it was like, holy shit. And I went and I yelled, pussy willows. And Sky said, <laughs> Sky says to me, what? What about pussy willows? I didn't, I don't even think I answered them. I think I was in so much shock. I went, I got to tell Allison. I turned around, looked all around the room for my sister, bolted over to her and I went, Ali, Ali, pussy willows, pussy willows. <laughs> she goes, what? What? I said, do you remember? Morris told you to remember at the wake, pussy willows. And she goes, yeah, I, I, I can't see them. Like, help me here. She's five one. <laughs> help me here, Karen. And I went, Allison, you got to get your ass up to Morris's casket. The pussy willows are on his freaking lap. She goes up to the front, takes a look, and there are the pussy willows, if they aren't sitting right on his lap. What a gorgeous, beautiful, fun, teasing, kind, gentle message. Just to let her know, see, I told you, you don't need to know yet. When you need it, you'll get it. I'm taking care of you. You guys are good. I'm good. You're good. We're all going to get through this. I just thought it was absolutely orchestrated so beautifully by Morris to give her that kind of message. Mm-hmm. And and in reality, that he did not say to her two days prior, the pussy willows will be on the casket spread. Right. Because he didn't walk in and bolt yeah. to, to go searching for it. That's right. There had to be a gentleness in it that you're going to stumble upon it at the right place, right time. It's something that I find frustrates people in the sessions is kind of the vagueness. But when it's discovered, you can understand the effortlessness involved. Well said. Yeah. That we don't have to be on a hunt as humans. That they're not even going to make it a hunt. It's going to be so obvious and so easy when it happens. 
I find that very difficult to explain to many humans in the sessions because, Mm -hmm. and maybe this isn't fair, but I'm going to say maybe because of what TV has done or maybe what movies have done or religions. Well, I I think in a whole progression of generations of I want everything now Mm -hmm. and I don't want to work for anything. Yeah. And I deserve it. And he's not saying you don't deserve it. He's saying you do. But where is, and that's why I said, where is the kindness? And he's trying to say, I know what kindness is. And it's going to be gently given to you. And there he is holding it. Isn't that lovely? Mm-hmm. This isn't really a sign. But one of the things that I absolutely loved during the wake was when they asked everybody in the room if they had a story to share about Morris. And one of his very best friends from the time he was a teenager, Paul Pruno, came forward and talked to everybody in the room. And I think most of the people in the room really did know this story, actually. But I did not. And he talked about being part of a band. And anybody in North Bay and area would know that Paul Pruno is a huge name in music in this city and had a band. Way back in those years, though, Kelly, it was like Gordy McIntyre and Ronnie Boudreaux. And I I can't remember everybody in it. But Morris wanted to be part of the band. And he didn't play an instrument. And apparently he couldn't sing well. So they invited him to be part of the band to take care of the music and plugging in the instruments and setting things up. And it fell to Morris's responsibility to find a place for them to practice. They couldn't find a location in the city for free. So Morris asked Dad if um, he had room for them in the funeral home. And Dad, of course, uh, said yes. And so the band and Morris practiced in the funeral home. You say, of course, like it would be any parent's natural response. Well, it was for my dad. I know. Yeah. But I just want to make that clarification because, of course, it was Maury's personality. Yeah. But that would not be an obvious thing for most parents. To say, yes, you can practice your band in the funeral home. My place of business, (laughs) just for one. And then two, in such an inappropriate daytime (laughs) setting. Yeah. And Paul pointed out that the very place that the band practiced was the place of Morris's casket. We were in the room, and his casket was where they set up the band. Very cool. And I just thought that that was just a lovely thing to add to this story today. Mm -hmm. Not that it was really about a sign, but, you know, in in some way, there was still meaning. Mm -hmm. Well, and you did talk about the fact that you went to the wake with the intention of learning about who he was. Yeah. Yes. And it was lovely to hear that from Paul. So then the morning of the funeral, everyone went to the funeral home before we would leave to go to the mass celebration at a church. And each of us was instructed that we could go up to the casket to say our goodbyes and then leave. And leaving the closest members of the family, her, his wife and children and their families to say the last goodbyes. Allison and my mum, grandma, or my mare, as you call her, went up and they were on the kneelers. And did you go up at the same time, Kelly, and you mm-hmm. were standing on one side? I was on my mare's side. Okay. I was standing on the opposite side of you to the far left facing the casket, and it was open. And I remembered looking down at Morris, and all of a sudden I heard, Psst, I'm over here. 
And I looked up and I could see Morris standing behind the casket and closer to you. But that means closer to his legs behind this arrangement, the flower arrangement. And I looked over at him and I thought, okay, what are you doing? And he goes, I want you to tell Allie the butterflies. And I'm like, well, this is going to be awkward, Morris. (laughs) Like... They're crying. Like we're we're just getting up to do our goodbyes. This is this is your mom's last goodbye, and Allison. And he goes, "No, you you got to tell Allison butterflies." And I'm like, "Oh frig, okay, fine, I'll say butterflies." So I said something to Allison about Allison. There's butterflies. You got to check the butterfly. And Morris goes over here in the flower arrangement. And I said, so she got up. And I said, Allison, it's in the flower arrangement. He's trying to give you your affirmation. There's a butterfly in the arrangement. And I, I did not know that. So she stood up and she said, I can't see one. She goes, I can't see a butterfly. But somebody else, you're like, there was someone else there, eh, Kelly, behind us, and said, oh, yeah, yeah, there is a butterfly, and went through the arrangement and showed her where the butterfly was. And then there was a piece of paper placed in the casket beside Morris from his grandchildren and oh I forgot to mention that in her session he had said yellow red and orange butterflies and I don't remember the color of the one in the arrangement do you that was the monarch so that would be the black and yellow is that what that is or black and orange orange. black and orange well when she opened or looked at the piece of paper in the casket that was full of butterflies and they were yellow red and orange So he was giving this last message. Well, I shouldn't say last. I'm sure he's nowhere near done. But during this celebration at the end of his life, he was saying, and now, ta-da, here are your butterflies. And I promised yellow, red, and orange, and here you go. Which to me was just such a lovely thing that Morris was doing. Well, yeah, because he's telling his family I attended my own wake. Yeah. And I loved all of you through it. And I saw that each of you was mourning, was missing me, was trying to acknowledge. And some of you were laughing and sharing wonderful stories about me. And I'm so glad for both. So glad for both. Because sometimes if you see or you hear people laughing and joking about fun memories, some other people think that that's kind of harsh to do in a funeral home. And Morris would know that's not true. Well, anyone who buys into that belief is not invited to your wake. Yeah. And I totally understand that growing up in a funeral home, we all know that. And I think other people know that too, whether you grow up in one or you don't. Because you really do want to share in not just the fact that they died and they had pain or that they suffered, but you want to know that they lived and that they laughed and biked and all of the wonderful things that they liked. Well, and I think that's why there are different traditions being born. And so many, many cultures, many traditions have a celebration of life now as opposed to wakes and funerals. Yeah. Yeah, that it's, it, there is mourning, but that mourning can be expressed. part of and expressed alongside including joy and laughing and good memories. And I see Morris really wanted a combination of all of those. And really, he used Allison to really play that out in such a beautiful way that included me it included you because we, we were telling stories to different people about that so if people are open to those experiences it's never too soon because you're hearing that it occurred while he was alive while he was crossing when he died and during the funeral afterwards and that he was part of all of that process with us 
that's my story for today. Wonderful. Thank you for sharing it and, re- and helping me remember things too, Kelly. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, if you have questions or comments about today's show, you can email us at info at Otherwise, have a wonderful weekend.